You're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast, hosted by myself, Terry Mallon, and my co-host Scott Buchanan. How you doing? I'm doing well, Scott, I'm doing well. How's yourself? I'm well, Terry. Well, another another halfway through another busy week. Um, yeah, it's flying, for... isn't it? I mean, how many weeks is it to Christmas? It can't be that long. I'm, I'm blinking in, the, in this year has passed us by, far less where the end of the year is. So I'm hoping that the weeks are increasing rather than in shorting. But <laughs> I think it's worrying when, when the adverts and, on the television start changing, isn't it? I, think I know, I know. What, what, uh, once you're by Halloween and, and the firework bonfire night, then it's uh, it's kind of plain sailing for there, isn't it? Indeed. Did you enjoy our, our, our celebration and bonfire? Did you enjoy? Yeah, I did, I did. So, obviously, as you know, the website was updated, um, which allows everyone who, who works with us to be able to log in. And it was good to see there was a lot of people embracing that. And we had up for, as we said in the last podcast, we had a 3D printer up for grabs uh, for one individual who updates a profile from everyone. And that was one by a certain person and they were notified on Monday so it was a great Monday morning for them to get that wee note so I was really pleased and that'll be getting sent out this week once it arrives in the office Good man, good to hear are you going to give them a plug to, to work it from as well? Are we, are we doing that, are we? Uh, well, I think you should get your fact sheet up for how to make beans and toast at the 3D printer, that'd be interesting <laughs> 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 Alright guys, so for those tuning in for the first time both Scott and myself have been working within manufacturing recruitment for over 15 years combined all of which has been recruiting management and technical and over the past few years we've been growing our own business Bonfire to be a leader in recruiting within the manufacturing sector in the UK. We started this podcast uh, to give an impartial view on the latest manufacturing sector news, discuss hot topics and give a real insight into recruitment and people attainment. So let's get started. This week, as usual, we'll have all the latest news our hot topic on the food-to-go sector and the recruitment minutes on the first two solutions to the problems discussed on our previous episodes. If you have not listened to our first two podcasts, please do check them out. You can find by searching Manufacturing Ignition Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and also give us a wee follow if you like as well. So cracking on, Scott, what's the latest news this week? Thanks, Terry. Um, yes, so um, there's been a bit of development in the, the renewable um, energy market. There's been a bit of change. And as you well know, Terry, over the years, there's been a few, some ups and downs um, for some of the companies. I was reading that Scott Renewables Tidal Power has launched a new equity funding round to take its tidal energy technology towards commercialisation. They're up at Kirtwell, which I think is um, Orkney, if I remember right. Okay. So probably, um, and I think it's it's tidal related, so so plenty of waves, I'm sure, up in that neck of the woods. They're developing a, a two megawatt floating, they call it an SR2000, to try and create more than 116 megawatts of electricity and under a week of, of continuous generation. It's impressive. So big times. Um, yes, as, and, and, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I know... When I looked at renewables, renewable energy, because we were looking at solar panels and whatever else for the house, 
And actually, when I was reading more into it, tides are actually more predictive than wind and sun because obviously the energy that this tidal machine will be generating will convert uh, energy from tides into a form of power such as electricity. So that was quite interesting. It's challenging though, and, and this is what, what a lot of these businesses have been trying to develop the technology that allows an efficient method of getting that, you know, moving energy within a, a tide or in the sea or in the ocean to transfer it into to usable electricity. So there's been a yeah. few tried it, um, and it looks like, you know, that, that, that this business is doing pretty well. And I think the chief exec's trying to get some investment coming in. So Fingers crossed that happens. Another good Scottish company in, or UK manufacturing company, hopefully doing pretty well. Exactly. And here's a, here's a start for you, Scott. You mentioned 116. I know that it's recently been operating at about 20 megawatts per hour per day. So over a year, it should produce 7,300 megawatts. You know what? Okay. That's, that, that's impressive, isn't it? You know, for, of course. Yeah. I mean, to kind of put that into a bit of comparison, Take, for example, you're taking, say, 30% off that figure for downtime maintenance for, you know, whatever issues. I mean, the tides are predictable, as I said. But if you take that off, and then the average house in the UK uses about 4.4 megawatts of electricity. So if you divide that by the the total for the year, that it's actually working out to power about 1,100 houses for a year. You know, I, I find this amazing. It's absolutely incredible how something that is, um, I mean, this is a renewable energy source. Do you know that way? So this, assuming the technology is there and is cost effective, then there you go, arguably free electricity. <laughs> if you've got yep, for 1,100, 1100 houses for, for a year. A year. So that was, that was interesting. I was just working that out there as you were talking when you mentioned about 116. Okay, good. What else is in the news? I guess further further afield, I don't know if you your your nickname used to be Tesla, wasn't it? Their their name caught my, my caught my eye in relation to how they're performing at the moment. Um, as you know, they're they're the, the company that that's got the nice sports car, which I think is why you. I think that's always been your dream, isn't it, to get a a a, a nice sports yeah. car? Um, yeah, but yeah, they brought out the they've got the electric model. They're now the electric car, the Model Three, um, which is the mass market version, which. I know they've had a lot of pre-orders, like hundreds of thousands of pre-orders. And this is a challenge. Um, yeah, this this is okay. exactly what's happened. So they've got all these orders, but actually trying to upscale from the, the specialist um, sports models that they've normally done. Actually, yeah. to the volume that they've got, they're, they're, they're struggling. And they're actually, um, they've, they've suffered their worst of our quarter um, as production delays kick in. So it's, it's actually trying to change the production ratios. And I can imagine with the nature of that technology as well, it must be pretty tricky to get the quality and I get addition to the, you know, the consistency there. Yeah. Do you want to know what? That's a great find. I'm actually looking at the news on Google at the minute and I can see that they had a target of achieving. So they've had all these hundreds of thousands of pre-orders. They had a target to achieve 5,000 by December this year. Right. And looking at it, they're not going to hit that. And they're not expecting to achieve the five thousand until late Q one two thousand and eighteen wow. by the looks of it. Which is, you know, that's that's not good for any business. And um, no. I there'll be some, you know, I'm sure there's some um, some effort getting into to resolve all that. I mean, it's such yeah, a of course. And and uh, again, this is slightly away from the news that this week. But uh, as you know, that um, am I right in saying that uh, is it Aston Martin or was it Jaguar? Maybe both actually were going to do. It was all electric vehicles, wasn't it? Uh, they're, they're yeah, it was Jaguar. Jaguar by 2020 or something like that, wasn't it? Imagine that in the 
scale these companies have to operate and all of a sudden you know that um yeah. you know, there's a quality you know i don't know what the issue is i, I but I, I hope they can resolve it and because uh, this needs needs to happen well, do you want to know what, Scott? I'm reading further down, and at the bottom of it, it says that, you know, it doesn't seem that people are getting put off by it because they're continuing to receive an increase of orders. But, you know, end of the day, how long is that going to last? Where's the sustainability there? There's, you know, if they're receiving more orders and they're struggling to hit production, there's got to be a, a change, which I'm, you know, I'm pretty 100% sure within the California Manufacturing Institute, they'll be fully aware of that and cracking on and trying to get the product quality and out the door. So, yeah, watching brief, we'll see how, the, how that goes, sort of Q1 next year. And that, um, that I guess, ties into, because um, one of the other factors I read in the news was related to um, that most manufacturers see investments in factory connectivity is actually increasing, you know, their profit margins as well, which from an automated topic which we touched on last week with with industry four and so on i guess you associate car manufacturing with you know the the, the atypical robots i guess they were one of the first to to embrace the technology exactly the reasons that that we're talking of there i guess for reliability and quality (laughs) you know that way so i wonder if that's actually one of the the problems that maybe tesla have got but but i was reading that um that almost half of the respondents of the survey, I think this was in Manufacturing UK, stated that they're expecting production flexibility improve because of investments in their, in their connectivity, do you see? And, okay. and I think it's actually companies embracing the fact that automated engineering is not about engineering humans out of the production process because it's irrelevant of how the control system is used, whether by a manual code writing or by setting parameters for the production, it's always humans who complete the task. You see, so it's actually yeah. ties in, I guess, with what we were saying last week. And I thought it was quite poignant in light of, you know, as perceived. The Tesla? Yeah, with yeah. the Tesla challenge that they've got. So there's maybe, you know, I'd love to learn more about that. We should maybe revisit that in a, a week or two. Um, we will do that. I mean, 100%, Scott, there's a lot of synergy there, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and we will do. We will certainly revisit that. We'll keep an eye on that because that's, that's good to know. And especially with Dyson, as we mentioned, investing £2 billion in uh, R&D for automated vehicles. You know, it's it's really something to keep an eye on going forward as well. Absolutely. And on to further news, we were talking about the Food Manufacturing Excellence Awards last week. I'm super glad that I predicted a couple of the winners when I didn't even mean to. You're thinking of your belly, Terry. <laughs> exactly. I do know. I do know a good bakery. Uh, so yeah, so bakery, <laughs> bakery manufacturer of the year was awarded to the bakery, the bread factory that are based in London, as I says. And trust me, guys, these guys are a really, really good business. I know some uh, individuals within that company, and uh, yeah, they're very innovative, very entrepreneurial, and certainly, you know, that's been recognised by Bakery Manufacturer of the Year. The SME Innovation of the Year went to the Great Biscotti Company. I don't know the business at all, but I like the name, and I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad those guys have won SME. It's interesting. Isn't it? it sounds Italian, obviously, doesn't it? But you mentioned them previously. I'm sure you've you've touched on them before. I did. I mentioned them last week. It was last Aye. week. Just because I like the name, but anyway. So yeah, yeah. So that was good. And the Young Talent of the Year was won by Cody Gledhill, who works at Coca Cola in Wakefield. Uh, so yeah, well done. You know, it's always good to get recognised for the achievements that that you've done throughout the year, especially at such an early point in the career. And out of the four nominees for that award, two were actually from ABP. So it was great to see ABP investing in young talent. So yeah, it was, it was a 
Yeah, it was good to see the results coming through. Obviously, Scott, we weren't there, but it was good to see the results. No, indeed, and it's good. I think it's, it's it's great to see innovation kicking in. Do you know that way? And I know it's such a tough, it's such a you know a tough sector. And although, believe it or not, did you know that that the food and drink well, manufacturing within food and drink industry contributes to twenty eight point two billion to the UK economy? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a lot. So actually, trying to get you know, I'm sure trying to get inroads into that you know industry must be really really tough for these up and coming businesses so really tough for them and then one a wee bit closer to our heart specifically Scott being dog people that we are <laughs> natural dog food suppliers going global with a five million pound boost you know just to give you an idea guys Scott's got a chocolate Labrador called Baxter and I've got a, a cocker spaniel a black cocker spaniel called Kevin <laughs> and yes I did say Kevin there <laughs> why did you call it Kevin Terry <laughs> Uh, have I never told you this, Scott? No, no, I don't think you have. Okay. Right, so basically, obviously, my wife, Julie, we were we went out to the cinema a couple of years back and we were watching a film. I can't even remember the body, the, the name of the film or whatever. <laughs> but there was a there was a woman that was that was in, in the house and she was shouting Kevin like, really loud at the top of her voice. So I was expecting this this guy to come round the corner or whatever else, but it wasn't. It was like a small white poodle called Kevin. <laughs> And it had me crying so much. The two of us were crying just with laughter because you're expecting, you know, you're only expecting a white, a wee tiny white poodle to come around the corner. And and for that point, you know, I let, I, I unfortunately let Julie pick the dog's name because I picked the dog. So yeah, it was called Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to back to the news. Well, digress. Yeah, well, Kevin, I've met Kevin as you know. He's friendly enough, and certainly looks like he loves his food as well. Does does he get much yeah. of this? Uh, does he get natural pet food, Terry? No, no. But I was interested. So the company um, Fourth Glade Foods have received have received five million pounds of funding for global expansion. So what the company produces? So they they produce natural dog food, and they use local ingredients. So it's fresh meat. And the meat that's used for it is suitable for human cons- yeah. consumption. So, 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 Scott, what I was thinking of, if your 3D printer <laughs> can't print your beans and toast, then you've always got a backup with a natural dog food. It's, it's not the first time I've accidentally eaten um, like a, a, a bonio or something similar. <laughs> 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 thinking yeah. It's a biscuit, but um, I'm sure eating yeah. some raw meat suitable for dogs will be, will be another yeah. experience. But, um, exactly. What, what I liked about this business was that they're actually, because I know there's other organisations do this, but this is actually, it's, it's wet food. So there's a different. It's, a, it's okay. actually wet, so it's a different process, and it's actually it must be pretty tricky to to keep you know relevant for 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 what they're, they're offering is. And I mean, I think they were established 1971, so to yeah. come through, you know, all the changes and all you know all the challenges I'm sure in that time, it's fantastic. Love it. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Um, I'll be interested. I'll be keeping my eyes out. Uh, Pet you know, I was actually just at a slightly different topic. I know it was also refreshing to see that actually one of the major banks actually gave them money for it. Do you know that way they've actually allowed to invest? Uh, I think they got five million pounds from uh, Santander. I think it was basically. Oh, okay. So I know over the course that's not always been the case for manufacturing organisations to get money injected, you know, into their business. So good, good to see. Good. So that that's all the latest news. Let's move on to the hot topic. So the hot topic, as I says at the start of the podcast, was uh, discussing the food-to-go sector and, and, and how this is a multi-million pound booming industry that's only growing further. And when we're talking about food-to-go, we're not talking about fast food. We are talking about food-to-go, which could be packaged vegetables, it could be cereal bars, 
sandwiches, wraps, soups, salads. All of these are on the rise, as we all know. And this this is due to is obviously developing a, a taste for faster, healthier food. And Scott, I was looking at the, you know, I love stats. I was looking at stats in the market in the UK for uh, the food to go industry, 17.4 billion. Yeah, yeah. With the leading players like Greg, Subway, Pret, um, even your major supermarkets as well. You know, you walk into Asda, you'll see the packaged vegetables. You know, you stick them in a pot and you boil them. Job mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Uh, spiralized courgettes. You've got <laughs> your packaged sandwiches. You've got all your healthy. I mean, I, I, I've actually been buying the some of the pre-made meals that are actually healthy options and it's branded healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get like prawn linguine and whatever else, but it's all proper. You know, it's really nice. So, but I know you've got a bit of background in Greg Scott. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to mention that, but yes, uh, my latest or my last uh, financial uh, investment, I guess, was for uh, for Greg's, and um, uh, this was going back many years ago, and it was at the time before the VAT um, was getting talked about um, as part of the the organisation, and this is actually relevant to what what we're discussing because it's allowed companies to actually grow. There was debate around whether, I'm going to say, you know, the likes of the pastries and so on would actually have been attributed to the, the same VAT level um, as, as others. And and when it was getting discussed, that I had probably bought the, the shares the day before and, and the, the share price absolutely um, it fell significantly. I must say now, though, you know, that, that was then um, abolished. I must have sold my shares in the meantime. And uh, I think the share prices have all gone back up and most of the companies have as well. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's called that's called Sod's Law. But, um, yeah, I think um, yeah. this sector and the companies that are have got an established um, market share in it, I think their biggest challenge is actually innovating, you know, a new product to come in there. You know, because others are doing it. So the likes of, as you touched on there, about healthier food, you know, so they, I wonder what the ratios are on, on the individual looking for, you know, a steak pie or a, a sausage roll maybe versus looking for, I don't know, a healthy sandwich or some. Yeah, yeah. You know, some and you've got the superfoods and, and all that sort of stuff that's, you know, beetroots and whatever else, you know, that are quite big. And I know, you know, Scott, interestingly, obviously we are kind of focusing on the businesses that are, selling the, the food products uh, or producing the food products but also the the type of businesses that will win out of this as well as as the companies that will make the napkins the forks the, you know the general packaging for this of course uh, if there's an increase in the products there's got to be an increase in all this as well i never thought of that terry actually so the supply chain you know of whether it, yeah you know packaging you know the, the the company that makes the plastic forks and 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 everything that, that's done in there and i I bet in terms of actually differentiating themselves and maybe tying in with the company's values as well. Do you know that way they'll probably spend a bit more maybe on making things look the part as well? Do you know that way to, to, yeah. to, to do that? So it must be quite a, a scalable um, industry. How much do you reckon of your, your working week, shall we say, that you, you would actually maybe, you know, how many meals, say, you know, Monday to Friday, there's, you know, five lunches, how many of them do you reckon you would probably just grab something out of the, the you know, a food-to-go shop? Most yeah. most days, some, you know, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, and, but I think that's due to, you know, all our lifestyles are I've changed as well you know you know, shorter lunch breaks and we don't even call it a lunch break we just have lunch when we have lunch we've all got busier lives and there's a more and more demand for convenience food I mean the last thing you want to do at night and my and this is my view is actually to start cooking up prepare, you know, preparing a meal and that's where you're, you're, you know look at your Hello Fresh and stuff like that who do the box deliveries to the door but actually you can have five meals a, a week 
delivered to your door with all your ingredients in it. All you need to do is just throw in a frying pan or a pot and it's job done. You know, it's cooked in five minutes. And that, that, that's where that growth's been. And Scott, another stat for you. One out of three people admit to leaving the house to purchase food to go to then eat it back at the house. I've done it myself. You know, I'll put my hands up. I did that this afternoon with, with, uh, with a subway. So, you know, I'm not going to... You know, so I can see that stat. And that's that's probably been probably cautious as well. You know, it's probably yeah. a little bit of a higher maybe. Well, you know, I, I can relate to that, although I'm probably just, I'm probably too tight in that. Um, and this is where the changes are happening because, you know, the cost, you know, the cost of actually buying in, you know, some fresh chicken or some fresh, you know, the actual cost of making your own meal and the, the cost of, you know, electricity and gas to do it all versus actually just grabbing whatever you want and, you know, and enjoying it. And it's probably of a better quality than I could ever make. You know, yeah. the, the, there's that growth side. Um, did, did you notice, Terry, that there's companies popping up now that actually do, so you've got the traditional pizza companies and the fast food type companies, you know, doing the delivery piece as well. But actually, there's the ones that are investing in, you know, because of the, the, the focus on people going to gyms and healthier lifestyles that actually have, you know, they can deliver things. Yeah. You can, you know, that way you can actually, you know, there's companies, I know there's a, there's a good yeah. one in Glasgow um, doing very well um, that, that serve some, you know, that have got their own in, initiatives around giving healthy products, which actually tie in with, you know, the, the lifestyle change as well. A hundred percent. I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it promoted on the likes of your social medias and whatever else. And, you know, it's a, it's prepared meals, actually just fire it in the microwave and it's job done, you know, and it's got all your kale and chicken and, you know, whatever it might have in it. But but then that's all down to people want more healthier foods. You know, they, they're clearly cautious of the calories and the ingredients that are in foods as well. And supermarkets are are, are, are clearly getting involved as well with, with what I say is that I've been buying over the past couple of weeks and keeping them in the fridge. You know, in that market, Scott's meant to... Uh, it's forecasted to grow to 23 billion in the next five years. Uh, so that's an increase of about 5 billion in the next five years, which is about 33, 30% or so, you know. Yeah, that's massive. scary. And actually, I wonder what that means from, you know, being looking at what, what we tend to do. But I can imagine if any business or any sector that's grown by that, you know, level, um, the, the talent acquisition challenges, do you know that way? That'll yeah. be interesting to see how that pans out. And and I guess maybe more so from the automation piece as well. From the man, you know, there's there's probably a lot of um, upskilling yeah. that will need to happen to allow those figures to be hit. And possibly the recycling and the food waste that's going to come off the back of that as well. That's another challenge that would come up. But, I, but then a great opportunity for existing businesses or new new businesses to, to really take a foothold within the market and, and establish themselves. So, yeah, exciting, exciting. Recycling piece we should probably look at maybe in a future podcast, Terry. I think that's one where it's cross-sector, isn't it? Um, and it's absolutely a hot topic at the moment, and um, especially in manufacturing where they can they can make a, a thousand and one different things of, of you know, stuff that people don't want effectively. So maybe we want to look at going forward. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Well, will we jump on to the recruitment minutes? Sounds like a plan. Good. Okay, so guys, over the last couple of weeks, what we've been looking at is specific problems that you as a business leader might face within your business in terms of recruitment. Um, and I'm glad to say now we're going to go through the some of the solutions to those uh, to those uh, problems that we went through. Um, if you've not listened to the first two podcasts, jump back on to SoundCloud or iTunes and search Manufacturing Ignition Podcast uh, and, and you'll be able to catch up with us. 
So jumping onto the first two solutions. So the, the first solution, now remember the, the first problem we discussed was the current management team being below par. And the solution to that, as a business leader, you're looking for a strong management team. And that's to make sure the foundations are secure within the business, allowing you to manage the growth, implement specific changes that are required, take the team and the business through that journey and maintaining a positive workforce, good culture, it goes hand in hand with retaining staff and that naturally improves productivity as well. Providing that structure, you'll, you'll have complete confidence that the business is going in the right direction. You know, what's your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on. I think it's actually looking at making sure it's the right talent in the right areas initially, or at least there's a development plan to allow that to happen. And actually the, the working environment, you know, is, is tying in with what the talent is looking to do, but ties in with, you know, the company vision going forward, do you see? Because I think um, there's a lot of, you know, pe- people that that come through, you know, come through our hands over the, over the years tend to not, the only reason they're looking traditionally is because of, you know, that there's something very simple um, that, that could be fixed, do you see? Um, and I think they're looking at the softer piece is, is absolutely um, important. And in addition to making sure um, it's the right, you know, right people in the right places. You know, listening and communication is very key in this because you can, you can understand, you know, so the question that I've got really to everyone listening out there who, uh, heads up or as a decision maker within a business is you know everyone's been thinking of the strategy and the plans for 2018 over the past couple of months those will have been finalized or if not fi- you know finalized already you know thinking about it when you're listening to this podcast think, thinking about it do you have the team currently that can lead that business on that strategy during 2018 and deliver but not only deliver to exceed if there's weak links, are those weak links able to be developed to allow uh, you to hit that, that, that target? If not, then thinking about how you make uh, the necessary changes so your business is in the prime position for 2018 to achieve the goals that you've set out and get off in the front foot straight away. Yeah, what, what is the plan? You know, if, if the answers to some of those questions are no, you know, what, what is the plan? And actually, if the answers are no and there isn't a plan, then, you know, it's, it's, it's probably seriously worth considering, you know, why the best team isn't in place to go forward because that, that is what's going to make the difference. And it's getting, it's getting pretty competitive out there, as, as I think we all know. Yeah, yeah. And it's not all about uh, having, you know, blue chip candidates within your business it's actually having the right people suited to your business suited to your culture that's bringing in the best possible skills and experience to deliver the challenges that you might face next year but more importantly actually the business decisions that are getting made to see you know the bottom number improve or whatever that might be you know that's that's key so that's something for all our listeners to, yeah. to to think about I, I, over the next couple of weeks. Just on that point, I think especially at this time of year when it, you know that you know things can get pretty busy, um, and I think it's too easy sometimes to actually reflect on look, do I have you know a lot of forecastings going on for 2018, and it's a you know actually asking do I have the talent in my organisation to allow this you know for the growth to happen. Um, and I think by asking that question, you know, then you, you'll find in, in your, your structure and your, your forecasting, I guess, will all tie in together. So yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing to okay. think about it. 
And then the second one's got, so the second solution. So the, the problem that we discussed last, uh, the first podcast that was actually, was issues retaining key staff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of tie this more into a business reputation and making sure you have as positive a business reputation as possible. As, you know, as business people and career focused, we clearly want to be working with a business that's got great branding, good marketing, the staff are happy, training and develops provided. The key aspect that I see is it's a career rather than a job. And I see most businesses out in, the, out in our sector, it's a job to most staff mm-hmm. rather than a career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, it has to be a consistent message that's going out to your current workforce as well as out to the wider market for people who you might be looking to attract in future. You know, how what are you doing to become or be the employer of choice in your specific market or industry. You know, and that starts off by recognizing, rewarding individual performance, the current staff, you know, promotion within setting clear talent guidelines for staff so they know that they can achieve uh, certain things within the company. They know they can work their way up from shop floor and take the MD position. That way it drives great behaviors and the business will go in the right direction. And, and by doing that latter point there, Terry, it allows a bit of competition in the background, which makes it a more competitive team, which makes it probably, you know, um, a, a fighting team that in, in the, the market area that, that is there in a positive way. And I think that therein lies the opportunity for others to develop through that and actually can see the people going through the ranks. That, that actually there's a knock-on effect, you know, throughout the business, which is, which is, you know, it'll save companies a lot of money um, by by investing and developing all the staff, assuming that the right level to do so. And we all know within manufacturing, uh, it can be super super fast paced. We can get stuck in the day to day a lot of the time. But really, we need, you know, it's a it's a matter of actually taking the head out of the sand, actually looking at the how are you retaining staff, what the retention rate is first of all. And then actually what you can do to improve that or alternatively, actually how you can actually market to get, uh, you know, the best people for your business to want to work for you because they see a future career and they're not just joining for a job, they're joining for the long term. They see that as a as a complete commitment to the business. And, and probably the thought that I want to leave on positive business reputation, Scott, is it's all easy for, for, for us to think about it right now as you're hearing about it. Actually, start now, not next year. Now, it's the toughest nut to crack, but it's the most important. You know, if you can retain your key staff on site uh, because they're happy, they're satisfied in their job, it's a company they see a career with, they're never going to look anywhere else. For myself and Scott, as uh, headhunters, and I hate that word, but, uh, you know, you know, they're never going to entertain a conversation with me and Scott. They're going to be happy in their current role, which allows you to have a stable workforce, a stable management team, and any additions on the back of that have to be equal or even better than that to raise the performance levels again. So it really kind of snowballs from there. Yeah. You know, but that's my two pence. No, and you're right. And there's a couple of points in there, Terry, around that, you know, there's there's nothing wrong. And, and to be honest, good, healthy businesses, um, there is always some level of attrition within them. 
for their own reasons and actually to get fresh yeah, ideas course. within the business. But actually, you know, for, for the people that we, you know, work with and identify, you know, for, for our clients and so on, you know, it's we're not looking for the average candidate. You know, we are looking for, you know, the, you know, the, the, the suitable level for, for the, the clients that we're working with. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the, 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 the number of candidates that we speak to versus, the, the, the temptation to leave a lot of it stemming around career development and actually you know the, the the relationship they have within the company and it's simple things that can go a long way definitely yeah good good you know just to kind of summarize that then scott with the two points we've covered so the two problems was business leaders that we speak to on a regular basis feel possibly um, there could be improvements in their current management team and also they may possibly have issues retaining key staff so you know, the solutions put in place, you know, business leaders want strong management teams and they want their business to have a positive reputation out there in the marketplace. Uh, so hopefully that gives you a bit to think about, you know, tonight going forward. But, you know, it's, it's very important. And I would definitely, the, I'd stress highly, the most important is your business reputation internally and externally kind of sets you up to deliver all your future goals going forward. We're getting the best staff and retaining the best staff in your business. Because as we all know, people make the business. Yeah, no, agreed. And actually, just just on the final point there, if the business maybe over the years has maybe not got the most positive reputation, candidates actually can, you know, it's actually something that, you know, that, that things are changing for the future, actually can, you know, can get a lot of buy-in from, from a given business as well, um, which sometimes is forgotten. And remember, people can search on the likes of glassdoor.com. Literally, if, if, you know, tonight or... Tomorrow morning, whenever you get a chance, you know, go into Glassdoor, Google it, Glassdoor, and type in your company's specific name and to see if anyone's left a review. Because a lot of a lot of career-driven individuals will search Glassdoor before they even entertain a conversation for a particular position within a business. So it is weighted highly. Not yeah, it's not the be all and end all, but it's important to see how your business reputation's out there to the market to people that might not know your com- yeah, company already. I guess by by actually doing that action, Terry, I think then that's the most crucial stage, isn't it? Because actually being honest to your own business, as into yourself or within that business, you know, having the the guts to check to see well, what's the external market view of my business. If if you know, because sometimes it's very easy to to not to do that. So um, no, that that's that's good advice, definitely. Okay, and Scott, I heard you've got a couple of, <laughs> a couple of topics there. So, well, so yeah, we'll wrap that up. Next week, we'll go through the final two. We'll go through the final two solutions. But over to you, Scott. Yeah, look, I'm conscious of time, but it was just something that that, that occurred to me during the week, and um, I, I actually don't know. I don't know the answer um, to it, um, and I was I was wondering if, if what, what your your honest thoughts were, Terry, but. There's been a lot of development around now, um, you know, smart technology, you know, iPhones and, and uh, you know, Samsung phones and Android phones and, you know, whatever else is out there. But what, what hasn't necessarily, you know, changed, I guess, is that, that people want to talk to each other. And I, I find myself replying to um, a client, actually, and I wasn't sure whether to reply as I would in an email, or I wasn't sure whether to, um, you know, to, to do it shorthand as it was actually written to me. Um, I, I mean, what, what's your thoughts, Terry? I mean, what, what is the etiquette in terms of, you know, texting, you know, as part of business? Should texting be in business? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the relationship you've developed with 
you know, I always, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I don't necessarily look at it as clients or candidates or whatever. I'm more as people we're dealing with, yeah. and it depends on the relationship. It's the same as yourself. With uh, I would look at it probably more as if, if you're either a close friend or an associate, yeah. somebody you've met through a friend, and you would text those two people different, or you would email those two people different, possibly. But, but in a different professional capacity, I think it's down to the relationship that you've got. But, but if like, there was no know, relationship there, Terry, would you, I mean, would you go out of your way to? compose it as you know um dear terry comma and, and and then another line and then write accordingly or would you you know be you know just say what you would normally say in a text i mean it's it's a tough one i, I, I didn't know the answer yeah it's, it's a very very good question i think that's something that you know we all face in our day-to-day lives and you know in any form of business um regardless and i think uh, you know people are going for the easiest option you know so Phone calls are more down these days. You know, more people use your the likes of your emails, your your text messages, and your I don't know your your apps that you get in your phone. I don't know them, Scott. But I know Joey's on them quite a lot. We work right, uh, okay. for Tesco, and it's like um, uh, there's a big group of them on an app, and they all talk about projects and whatever else. Yeah. So you know that's a lot easier for people to communicate. So what I would probably my my opinion on it is you know at the end of the day. Um, you know, I'd be judging it, but I would probably, if it was, if it's somebody I had no relationship with, I'm no experience with, and, and and sending a text message, you know, I would be picking up the phone with regards to a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, would, I don't know how I would answer that. It's quite interesting. It's, it's, it, it occurred to me as well when I'm speaking to you know the candidate that's it's waiting on the job offer from the client, and actually the candidate, you know, as part of the recruitment process, has a client's number as as we're comfortable with, uh, um, and then actually you're aware of the, the approach that the candidate has, and you, you you know you wonder whether that would actually work well with the client or not. So I guess it's just um, you know, and I guess that's where. Um, in that case, you know, I, I knew that the, the relationship that, that, that the candidate and the client had developed, you know, they were naturally going to work out. But I just wondered what, what your honest thoughts were in there. So always, always a learning yeah. curve. Interesting, Scott. Interesting point. You've got me thinking now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think communication is, is, is key and everybody goes for the safest yeah. option. So, yeah. OK. Right, Scott, uh, I think that's us done for the week. OK, so... You know, th- thanks again, Terry. And of course, um, ne- next week I'm looking forward to. Is it is it podcast number four? Is it is it podcast four? Yeah, might be. Yeah, we're, we're, st- we're starting to churn <laughs> through the old podcast. I think that so all going to plan that the podcast four, the ignition manufacturing podcast, will be available to download from about five o'clock on um, Wednesday, the fifteenth of November. Um, we'll be looking at the latest manufacturing news as always. Um, our, our hot topic will be issues that are affecting the UK manufacturing and um, touching on Terry, is that your uh, is that your alarm going off? Is that is it time for you to get out of your bed? <laughs> Sorry Scott, it was a forty minute forty minute timer to tell us that so I was up for a forty minute <laughs> I thought it was time for you to get out of your bed there. So, just staying there, Terry, before you just wait you out your, your slumber, that we're discussing will be issues affecting UK manufacturing, things such as, you know, energy intensive industries, manufacturing skills issues, and, and looking at how the, the, the challenges of exporting within, you know, the, the, the UK at the moment is going to pan out maybe touching a bit of R&D as well. Of course, there'll be our recruitment minutes, maybe touching on, I don't know, email etiquette, maybe. So you see what you come no, up actually, with. I, no, actually, Scott, I'll tell you what it is. It's the final two solutions, the problems we came up with in podcast two. So that will allow us to close off uh, the, the 
and then going forward, the future podcasts will all be about the process and how to implement that within the site with regards to recruitment. Ideal. Sounds good. And I think I think we're going to start implementing, whether it's Podcast 4 or maybe Podcast 8, we'll be looking at speaking to some industry leaders um, that are relevant to what we're doing and um, get some external views and, and, and on their, their own topics as well. Yeah, exactly. It'd be good to get somebody else's input rather than listen to us two, two dull Scottish folk on the on the old microphone every week yes i couldn't think of anything better <laughs> <laughs> all right scott right thank you very much for that scott that was great um guys as i said if you've not checked out the, the other episodes you can do thank you very much for tuning in much appreciated and hopefully um you'll tune in next week have a good week Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.